the Mahdi or the Qa'im is the long lost king of Israel. He's the promised king from the uh, seed of David who will rule in the end time. And he's the one who uh, fulfills the promise and brings those three uh, religions together. Amazing. today thank you so much it's so good to have you back thank you so much for having me so today uh, we want to talk about um, the Israeli people uh, we want to talk about the state of Israel uh, we want to talk about the Jewish people we want to talk about one of the reasons why um, they believe that uh, their covenant or God's covenant with them is an everlasting covenant and that it will never go away, and no matter what it is that they do. And uh, what is, you know, how do we fit this into uh, the grand picture with the understanding of Christianity to the Old Testament and also uh, Islam? Okay, sounds okay. good. So one of the reasons why Jews believe that God's covenant with the Israelites is an everlasting covenant and will never go away is because of this promise uh, which is sometimes referred to as a covenant although it is not one of those covenants that with with a prophet that brings forward a new jurisprudence or a new matter so as we've said before in previous episodes God establishes these certain covenants with certain prophets and with each one of them, uh, Adam and then Noah and then Abraham and then Moses and then Jesus and then Muhammad. Each one of these covenants that he establishes with one of these major prophets, a new jurisprudence comes. All right. Yes. So God's laws that he gives to Moses is different than God's laws that he gives to Jesus and God's laws that he gives to Jesus different than the ones that he gives to uh, Muhammad. Yes. Uh, but this covenant here with David is not one of those covenants, uh, but it is a, a promise. It's a deal. And it's, it's mentioned in the Old Testament where basically, you know, David now, he's defeated his enemies. Uh, David has overcome, uh, you know, all of the hostilities around him. And now David's resting. And in the Bible, uh, David is speaking with the prophet Nathan you know, and he is being thankful to God and he's saying, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, you know, God has now allowed me to rest in this house of cedar. But he's still sad, you know, he's still a little bit distraught. And the reason why he's distraught is because he's noticing that here he is in this comfortable place and nice home. But he says, the ark of the covenant still dwells in the tent you know so he thinks that this is this is wrong that he's in this house and that the ark is still outside uh, being hosted in a tent and so nathan looks at david and he says to him he says david do whatever is in your heart for god is with you and this is a very important indication about the type of rule that David has. He rules by means of God putting his will 
in the heart of David. The Holy Spirit is with David. Mm-hmm. Okay, and 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 now we know uh, from this verse that David he rules by his feelings in his heart, and he doesn't rule by necessarily like evidence and and cases and and you know that way. But he rules with the feeling that he has. Okay. Okay. Whatever God places in his heart, yes. and that's important for later on. And so Prophet Nathan, he goes, uh, he has a dream, and in his dream, the Lord comes to him, and he tells him, you know, basically in the dream that, you know, I here I've been dwelling in the tent and in the tabernacle ever since I brought, uh, you know, the Israelites out of Egypt, and I do not have a home, you know. So go command David and tell him to build for me a home. Okay, and he gives this commandment uh, to 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 tell for Nathan to tell David, and and Nathan goes and he tells David, you know, and this is basically the command uh, that is given to David to build um, this great temple, yes. uh, and it's the temple of Solomon, which actually is uh, completed by his son, uh, because it's a big undertaking, it's a big work, and Nathan tells narrates to david the dream the commandment but also it has there's more to the dream than just that god tells david on the tongue of nathan that if you do this for me you know and you're going to do it for me he says i'm also going to do something for you i'm going to make a home too for your people i'm going to plant them here you know in israel so that way they don't have to, you know, wander around anymore. So now I've made a house for your people. You've made a house for me. I've made a house for your people. And I'm going to make a house for you, David, an everlasting house in which, in, 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 in which my name will rule forever. Okay. Okay? Yeah. And so God establishes in this one dream of Nathan's, the commandment to build the temple, which is the house of God. Yes. And he also establishes that Israel is home now for the Israelites. Yeah. And he also establishes that the, the rulers for Israel forever will be from the lineage or the house of David. Yes. So he establishes the house of David, the monarchy yes. for Israel. Okay. Yeah, okay. I see. It's no longer going to be a thing where he he picks Joshua, son of yes. Nun, to rule for a while, and then from another family he picks somebody else. No, he picks uh, David and his his lineage. Yes, I see. That, that there's this sort of transition from what had been before in the time of the judges and the time of Samuel, like leading uh, even Saul, then David establishes this dynasty which passes down to his son. Yeah, there's this change at that point. Yes, and then. God tells David, you know, and I'm going to be with you forever. He says, anybody from this house that does inequity, uh, I'm going to punish them with a rod, and I'm going to beat them by the, by the violence of the, of the hands of, of, of man. So uh, he's not going to tolerate any injustices to come from the rulers from the house of David. But he says, but I will never leave you. The mercy, my mercy will never leave you. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. So it means what? It means that no matter what you do, even if you are, um, you know, a, even if there's oppressors that come out of you through this lineage, no matter what it is that you do, you know, you're going to get the karma for it. Bad things will happen to you, but I'm never, ever, ever going to leave you. God will forever rule and, and God of the worlds will forever be with Israel and be with the house of David in particular. Okay. 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 That's pretty clear. It is pretty clear. From this notion now, from 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 this, this is one of the reasons why uh, the Isra Israelis, the Jews, they consider that you know uh, God had given them this promise, and there's no true God, there's no good God that will ever break his promise. And that is why the understanding came that the Messiah who was going to rule in the future had to be from the line of David. Yes. And even in Isaiah, which, which they take to, um, you know, be talking about the, uh, the Messiah, what does it say about the root? That he will bring up a root from Jesse, uh, a, a stump from Jesse. So that's a stump uh, from Jesse. Yes. So the root of David. The root of David. Yeah. The, okay. That's so it's the lineage of David. Yes. Somebody who's connected to David who will rule. Yes. Okay. So there you have this 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 issue, and then you have. Um, the Christians now they understood it in the same way that the Jews understood it, and for that reason, it was very important for them to establish this connection that Jesus has to um, King David. Yes, uh, because if that connection is not established, then he's automatically disqualified from being, um, you know, a, a a ruler or the Messiah or a king that's chosen for Israel, because God already promised David that any king that he would choose, anybody that would that would that would have the right to rule, would have to be from uh, the lineage of David. Yes. And so they start off, actually, uh, the book of Matthew with the genealogy of Jesus, yes. uh, in which they count back his ancestors through his father. Yeah. And they say that he's the son of, you know, that Joseph and Joseph's the son of such and such, such and such, such and such, all the way back till um, King David himself. Yes, exactly. That, I mean, that's why this gospel has to start off like that, because this is one of the main proofs for Jesus. Yes. Uh, so now Christianity and, and Judaism, they're aligned on this aspect. Mm -hmm. Now you have Islam. And the main, the main conflict now is between Muslims and between Jews. Mm -hmm. And you see on the world stage right now, Christians are sticking by Jews. And one of the reasons why they're sticking by Jews is because of that. Yeah. This understanding that God would forever be with the house of David. Yes. And the house of David, the tribe of Judah. Yeah. One of the tribes of Israel. Yeah. And so therefore, God is forever with um, Israel. Yes. But the Muslims come now. And the Muslims have a new prophet that's sent to them. And that's the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Yeah. And the Muslims are disconnected. I mean, they they 
from this concept of the house of David. Yes, they're not a part of the house of David. No, so they're, they're not a part of the house of David. They pop up somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. And they revere Prophet David and they consider him to be a prophet and they love him. And he's one of the uh, 25 prophets that are known to be mentioned by name uh, in the Quran. Um, so they love him. But they don't have a belief that that his house will always have God with them. Okay. So then we have Muhammad sallallahu alaihi comes, he, he establishes the religion of Islam, but he's establishing it as a worldwide religion. And this is what's agitating the Jews. If Muhammad had just come and said that I am a prophet, but not to the Bani Israel, not to the children of Israel, uh, they would have had no problem with him probably. Yeah. You know, but it was because Muhammad was insisting that he was a prophet that everybody in the whole world had to follow. Okay. Even the Israelites. Okay. See, the Israelites, they coexisted before with prophets that were that were non-Hebrew prophets that were sent to other nations. And they had no problem with that. Yeah. Uh, Balaam ibn Ba'ura, uh, Balaam, the son of Bayor. Uh, in their text, in their uh, stories, according to their beliefs, was a prophet yeah. who was at almost the same rank as Moses, but to the, uh, he actually was at the same rank as Moses, but to the non, non-Israelites. non Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's true, yeah. They had no problem with with this concept that God would send prophets to other people, but as long as they, they saw it as like an inferior jurisprudence right, that they would come with they're like the chosen they're the chosen people, people. so yeah they, they have this special deal with god it makes sense they uh they have this special deal their family uh the descendants of abraham through isaac have this special deal but god still comes to others in a different way in a, in a lesser way yeah. yeah but muhammad is not leaving alone this idea that that uh, no everybody has to follow me okay yeah and he, out of the prophets that are mentioned uh, in the Bible, uh, he's uh, mentioning the names mainly of Hebrew prophets. Mm-hmm. So in the Quran, it's mentioning uh, Jesus, it's mentioning John, it's mentioning Zechariah, it's mentioning uh, Elijah, it's mentioning Elisha, yes. it's mentioning uh, all these different um, you know, it's mentioning uh, Ezekiel. So all of these different Hebrew prophets, there's a focus on them. Yes. And and so it's like, you know, Adam, Noah, uh, a few Arab prophets like Hud and Shu'ib and Saleh. And then, and then you have Israelites, Israelites, Israelites. Moses is the most mentioned one. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus. And then it's like Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As if, and Muhammad sees himself as uh, continuing along that path. Yes. And even there's certain narrations that state that the Prophet Muhammad he used to actually braid his hair, uh, much like the Israelites. They have these forelocks, uh, these braids that are on the sides of their, of their head. Um, the Prophet Muhammad, instead of two, he had four. And they were on the sides of his head as well. And we know that the Prophet Muhammad he took in the beginning as a direction of worship the same temple yes. that was a symbol of the Davidic rule, yes. which was the Temple of Solomon. Yeah. 
because now uh, you know this temple has more meaning than it just being a place, a Kaaba type place where the where where the people go, um, you know, in order to worship, uh, or it, more than just a house of of God, but it's a symbol of the rule of God's chosen monarchy. Yeah, that's very interesting. Okay, yeah. it is very interesting. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu he passes away and in his will he mentions that after him is going to be 12 Imams and then after that are going to be uh, 12 Mahdi's and the last of the Imams is Imam al-Mahdi and then there comes the, the rule of these of these Mahdi's and as we mentioned in the other episode that we did the previous episode about how uh, we said that you know the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu said that I am Israel yes. that this is one of his names yeah. right and uh, we established that fact it's interesting because um, we find this reference to the Prophet David uh, coming up again in Islamic narrations but only in the time of the Qa'im, okay? okay, and the time of the Mahdi. Okay. And there's a few really, really interesting narrations. One of them is that the Mahdi, he, it says that the Mahdi, his body is the body of an Israelite. Really? Yes. Very interesting. His body is the body of an Israelite or a man from the sons of Israel. Okay. Uh, so I mean, that was, it's very interesting. I, we, we spoke about how Prophet Muhammad called himself Israel, so it could have to do with this narration or yeah. something else. And then you have another narration which states that before, when it comes time for the Mahdi to call forward when he wants his companions, what does he do? He makes a du'a. And he calls upon God by his Hebrew name. Okay. And then all of his companions come to him. So now this Mahdi, this Qa'im, he's worshipping God, but he's worshipping God in Hebrew. He knows the secret name of God. And we're going to do a whole episode that has to do with the Jewish belief on the idea of God having a secret name. But in short, uh, God had a secret name that only uh, the king or the priests that were chosen by God would know. And it was a safeguarded secret. And uh, this name is represented by the four letters. Yeah. Y, H, W, H. That is in the Old Testament. And so nobody knows the true pronunciation of the name of God. Yeah. But it's represented by these four um, letters. It's forbidden for anybody who uh, to even pronounce the name of God. Yeah. And you have people that pronounce it by saying Yahweh. Yeah. Uh, other sects of Christianity have come forward and have said, no, the correct pronunciation, for example, is Jehovah. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, or other distorted forms by filling in vowels in between those uh, four letters to in order to figure out what the name is. Yes. Um, and Jewish people, out of respect, uh, they uh, use the word Hashem uh, to refer to God. So Hashem means the God. Yes. You know, Hashem is like the Hebrew equivalent of Allah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to note because if Hashem means the God, well, we know also that Muhammad was sent as a descendant from the sons of Hashem, yeah, the Bani Hashem. Hashem. Yeah. yeah? Oh. And, and God, when he was talking to David in the, in the dream of Nathan, he says to them, I will be their father, meaning the, the monarchs that come after you, you and the monarchs, I will be the, your father, their father, and they will be like my sons. If they make inequities or mistakes, I'm going to punish them. Okay. okay. Here you have now Muhammad. He's coming from the uh, the Bani Hashim. Hashim has a very significant name uh, in Hebrew uh, to the uh, to the Jewish people. Yeah. But nonetheless, let's put that aside. Okay. Two narrations so far. One is that he has the body of an Israeli. Two, now he's speaking Hebrew and he's making du'a in the Hebrew language. Yeah. That's then we come to the third narration which is the most important of all. It says that the Qa'im or the Mahdi is going to rule by the, the, so it comes in two forms, but he's going to rule by the rule of David. Or he's going to rule by the rule of the house of David. Okay. 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 So this has a double meaning. One of them, is that he rules by what is placed in his heart, just like David ruled. Mm -hmm. And this, the Ahl-Bayt they clarified. So he rules by the Holy Ghost. Okay. And it's known that the Mahdi, uh, and, and in many narrations, this is clarified that he goes forward, and in the apparent, like his companion wouldn't have made, made a mistake or made a sin, and he will... Um, you know, judge him yes. because he knows what's in his heart. So just as God was with David, God in the same way is with the Mahdi. Just like Nathan told David, do whatever's in your heart for God is with you. Yes. The same thing is, you know, applies to the Mahdi where he also does whatever is in his heart because everything that's in his heart, God put there. Wow. Okay? Yeah. But it says he'll rule by the rule of the house of David. And the ruling of the rule of David and the ruling of the rule of the house of David, if a Jewish person would hear that, they would only understand it in one way. And that is that the Mahdi is from the house of David. Yeah. Yeah. Is that not I, how you I mean, would understand it? That's... That's what logically makes sense from that statement, yes. So now we have a Mahdi who, whose body is the body of an Israeli, yeah. meaning that he, what's a body? I mean, you have to, you have to be a descendant from yeah. one of the children of Israel in order to have a body of an Israelite. Yeah. He has, according to the narration, his body is the body of an Israeli. Yeah. So he is one of the children of Israel. Yeah. That's the Mahdi. Yeah. And he speaks... Hebrew. At the very least, he knows the secret name of God in Hebrew. Yeah. And the third is that he is a descendant from the house of David. He is the stump of Jesse and the root of, of David. David. And so now we have an entirely new picture that's coming into place. That's shocking. Here's what it is. The picture is 
is that when Israel is established in the end time, they go to Israel, they build the state, but they're unable to build the temple. They're unable to. And they've been trying to for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And they know and they believe that when the temple is built, that yeah. their Messiah will accompany that. Yes. Because the house of God always accompanies the monarch or the house of David or that person from the house of David. When God's temple is built, his deal is fulfilled. He brings forward the king as well. Yeah. And so they want to build the temple because they're waiting for their Messiah. Yes. And at the same time, the Christians believe that when they do build that temple, that Jesus will return because yes. Jesus is that Messiah. Yes. And so we have a picture where the true king, the, the Mahdi, who actually is, just like the rest of most of Israel, scattered tribes, he's an individual who is appointed by God, who has a right to rule over Israel as the descendant from David and the promised one who's mentioned in Isaiah. But he's being held back from that because the Israelites are not recognizing him. So we have a king from the house of David in the end time who, much like David himself, was not recognized in the beginning by the Israelites before he was anointed. Mm -hmm. And he was just a shepherd in the same way the Mahdi is outcast. Yeah. And... And it's interesting because it is the character of the Mahdi that actually opens up Jerusalem. And he's the one who frees Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and nobody else does because it has to be this character who's a king who was supposed to rule Jerusalem, who would be also the Messiah from the uh, line of David, if you want to think of it that way, although he's the Mahdi and the true Messiah, he came and that was Jesus. Yeah. Now, this one is going to rule as that person from Isaiah who comes as the successor to Jesus and the successor uh, to David and the successor to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That makes so much sense. It makes so much sense how uh, they have not been able to to do, they've been really trying and they have the support of the Christians. They have not been able to reestablish the temple. And it's it's part of the prophecies that the temple must be there in order for the Messiah to come. Um, and, and they can't do it. And why can't they do it? Because it is it is written that it will only be the right person. It will only be the person, uh, the Mahdi, as you said, who will open up Jerusalem. He will be the one who is able to do uh, God's will. And, and there's actually more proof uh, that the Mahdi is this king from the lineage of David, yeah. even though he himself doesn't know it, just like the Israelite people yeah. didn't know in the beginning until he figures out and, and, and remembers who he is and is told who he is by God. Uh, and those are the narrations that it's the Mahdi too that brings forward the Ark of the Covenant. And it's the Mahdi too who comes forward and he has with him the staff of Moses and the ring of Solomon. Wow. He's, he's, clearly, he's clearly from this, this lineage. He's clearly from this story. 
But that's so interesting. It's such a fascinating take because uh, I think that it would be really shocking for, for many Muslims to hear uh, all of this put together because that's not what they're expecting uh, from the Mahdi. And certainly that's not what the, the Jewish people are expecting from the Mahdi or the Christians. So this is just amazing. Uh, they should expect it because uh, even Imam al-Mahdi, Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Asqari, according to uh, the Shia narrations, uh, his mother is Nerjis. And Nerjis is a is a Roman princess who actually is a descendant of Simon Peter, according to the narration. So she has this Jewish uh, ancestry, according uh, to that. So the, the, the Shia, they already believe that the Mahdi is mixed. Yeah. He has, uh, he's half uh, Roman or in reality half Jewish through the descendant of Simon Peter. And uh, he's, he's half Arab. And, and so now all of the narrations are making sense yes, that the Mahdi or the Qa'im is the long lost king of Israel. He's the promised king from the uh, seed of David who will rule in the end time. And he's the one who uh, fulfills the promise and brings those three uh, religions together. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. He's a true Israelite. You know, as we as we talked about previously, uh, this this concept of uh, people posing as Israelites when they don't have the right to call themselves that. He is the true. Uh, he's truly from this lineage. Okay. So the Mahdi is Arab, and he's Hashemi. Mm -hmm. He's a son of the Bani Hashem. Yes. And he is a successor from the family of Muhammad Salam. And he's a descendant of the Prophet Muhammad But his body is descendant from David and from the tribe of Judah. And he is an Israeli. That's amazing. And he is Jewish. So the Mahdi is Jewish and the Mahdi is Muslim. Wow. Wow. And he comes for, for all mankind. So, of course, this makes sense how he is the one to come and unite the world. Like... It's amazing. It's amazing that he he bridges those two uh, warring, you know, faiths, uh, and and he brings them together. That's amazing. Well, we'll stop there and we'll continue, inshallah, in, a, in another episode. Thank you so much for joining me, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me. That was such an enlightening discussion. I'm really blown away with what I've learned today, and uh, I hope that you are too. I think that now we have such a deeper understanding of these passages in the Old Testament uh, where God is speaking of this everlasting uh, bond with David and with the house of David and with his lineage. Some people have mistook these verses to be speaking about a covenant, but as we discussed, we have we have the covenants. We have the covenant with Adam, with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, and uh, David was actually just a part of the covenant with Moses, but what he was speaking about was 
a covenant, but it was a covenant to come. And that is the covenant of the Mahdi. That is the covenant in our time. Uh, and that's really amazing. And it, it's no coincidence that the symbol of the seventh covenant is the Star of David, because the Mahdi is from the house of David. Um, it's really amazing to, to learn. Uh, I, I feel every time uh, we have these discussions, my understanding of scripture from Judaism, Christianity, and Islam is, uh, is just so much richer. Um, I hope you will join us next time. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in.